When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. In today's show, I'll be breaking down the latest Bitcoin technical analysis as we're in the 39,000 range family. A great time. The BTFD will also be discussing the latest updates from Plan B, creator of the Bitcoin stock to flow model, as well as Trump will never allow CBDCs and gives full credit to Vivek Ramsawani. I'll be bringing this down for you, as well as Bitcoin ETS post 76 million and net outflows on a bad seventh day of trading. Also, FTX Estate sold most of its grayscale Bitcoin trust shares, tanking the market. So Bankman Fried continues tanking the Bitcoin price by suppressing the Bitcoin price action from a jail cell. It's interesting how this works. Also in today's show, I'll be sharing three bull market narratives for 2024 that you haven't heard about yet, as well as Bitcoin setting up for a price explosion to $120,000 per coin as per analytics firm Glassnode. Also, happy birthday to the high priest of Bitcoin, the one and only Max Kaiser. I greatly appreciate this man. I'll be breaking down his 1 million Bitcoin price prediction as well as the latest from the high priest. We'll also be taking a look at the overall crypto market. All this plus so much more in today's show. Yo, what's good, crypto fam? This is first and foremost a video show. So if you want the full premium experience with video, visit my YouTube channel at CryptoNewsAlerts.net. Again, that's CryptoNewsAlerts.net. Uh, today is pod episode number 1531. I'm your host, JV, and today is January 23rd, 2023. We dropped below 40,000. In fact, we're barely holding on to 39,000, as you can see the price action right here on your screen. Let's kick it off with our market watch as we do each and every day. Bitcoin's down 3.5% for the day. How low do you think she's likely to go? Let me know. We also have ETH down 7%. Altcoin's bleeding like a mofo. And zooming out on the monthly, get a broader perspective. Bitcoin down now 11% on the month. We have Ether down 5%. BNB, one of the rare ones in the green, up 9%. While Solana, massive bloodbath along with Cardano and X. RP and checking out the crypto. I'm sorry, uh, coin market cap. The market cap has been on the decline now, all the way down to 1.52 trillion. Wow, we're just getting close to two, two trillion again for Christ's sake. But anyways, we can uh, we can blame Bankman Fried for that. You'll see what I'm talking about later. 24 hour volume, 77 billion. The volume is up uh, roughly 50 percent. Bitcoin dominance back on the climb as the alts bleed, which is pretty typical. Now it's 50. 0.2%, 50%, or I guess it's called the 51% attack on the alts. Let's go. So close. We have Ether at 17.4%, pulling back and on the decline. And checking out the top 100 crypto gainers for the past 24 hours, we got Blur, Sue, Chili's, and Akash. Below that, Flare, Sia Coin, and FTT. How is FTT ever in the green? Blows my mind. But there you have it. I mean, this industry is run by fraudsters, hucksters, as Gensler would say. But anyways, which altcoins are you bullish on? Holla at you, boy. And checking out Crypto Bubbles. Uh, you can see a visual perspective of the altcoins taking a bleeding on the day. You know when Bitcoin is dumping that the altcoins 
you know, I mean, get wrecked the most. So that's what we're witnessing right now. Virtually everything in the red minus just a handful and zooming out on the monthly, a lot still in the bloody red for Christ's sake. So you took all this time to get all those green accumulations decimated just like that from one crash. Crazy how the altcoin market works. But anyways, checking out the Crypto Greed and Fear Index. We're dead in the middle a little, literally. Little did we know that we riddle some middlemen who didn't do diddly. Shout out to Big Pun, one of my favorite MCs growing up. Epic quote. But anyways, we're currently dead in the middle with a 50 neutral. Yesterday, 55 greed. Last week, 64. And last Last month of 71 in greed. And here's a new indicator. The Bitcoin having clock, folks. We're at 85 days, 20 hours, 46 minutes, 32 seconds, and milliseconds away from the having. You already know things are about to get lit less than three months out. The biggest event for the past four years in Bitcoin. So anyone selling right now in my mind, crazy. What are your thoughts, fam? Let me know. But I have a lot to share, so we got to dive into our next story of the day, discuss the latest TA, check out the charts where the Bitcoin price action is likely to go next. Here you see Bitcoin saw new seven-week lows on the January 22nd daily close as traders warned that worse was to come. Here, looking at the Bitcoin one day candle chart. Now, data from TradingView showed a price drop of 39.4, sparking only a modest recovery. And in fact, we're about to lose 39 any moment now. Bitcoin faced consistent sell side pressure from sources, including the Grayscale Bitcoin Trust, which is the largest Bitcoin institutional investment vehicle, as part of consumer rotation amongst the new spot Bitcoin ETFs, now down up to 20% versus January highs. Bitcoin gave little inspiration to the traders, some of whom predicted new losses as liquidation mounted, quoting Arthur Hayes, still more to go. And also Keith Allen from Material Indicators shared the sentiment, uploading a chart of the short signals and longs from one of the platform's proprietary trading tools, he warned that the bulls needed to build some momentum as the current price is near 40 Gs. If not, a return to 38,000 could be next, which it seems like we're fast approaching. What are your thoughts? Now, a separate chart showing Bitcoin's bid liquidity for the largest global exchange, Binance. Meanwhile, or should I say Binance, as Janet Yellen calls it, Binance highlighted bidder interest immediately below the spot lows, but with sellers absent until 44,000. Now, material indicators additionally noted a class of Bitcoin whales, where are my whales at, making sustained purchases throughout the past month, these mounting to 800 million. Now, charting the ongoing state flux amongst the fledging spot Bitcoin ETFs, Bloomberg ETF analyst James Safart, can you say fart, suggested that GBTC was not yet out of the woods when it came to Bitcoin sales. GBTC sold a total of $640 million in Bitcoin just on January 22nd yesterday, canceling out previous signals that sales were slowing. Safart nonetheless noted increasing inflows to other ETFs, notably BlackRock's iShares Bitcoin Trust, which gained $272 million on the day, its third biggest tally. You already know Lawrence Fink smiling all the way to the bank. And uh, quoting Safart, update, BlackRock numbers are in for the Bitcoin ETF, Cointucky Derby. <laughs> third biggest inflow day for iBit, which is BlackRock, yet at $272 mil, only $76 million in net outflows for the day. So inflows are outpacing the outflows. Volume on the Bitcoin ETFs remain very strong, he added. Over $2 billion again today. GBTC still making up a bit more than half. Total volume for the first seven trading days is just shy of $19 billion. Now, quoting uh, Marty 
party. He says that the ETF selling should now begin to ease. He argued, uh, quoting him here, 2.135 billion of shorts are set to get liquidated with a push to 42.5. And uh, Binance will turn their attention to the short squeeze fueling a FOMO rally, including participants from retail and new institutional players. Let me know if you agree or disagree with his uh, sentiment. And uh, here's the latest from Plan B, creator of the Bitcoin stock to flow model. If you're not familiar with the stock to flow, it ultimately predicts Bitcoin hovering between 100,000 to 1 million per coin between the next two halvings, with the first one coming in about 80-something days, uh, Bitcoin halving 2024, and then the following halving in 2028. He shares here, Bitcoin consolidating a bit around 40 Gs, gaining strength for the next 50% plus jump towards 60,000. Now we're talking. I mean, I'm with him on this. I couldn't be more bullish right now. I think Bitcoin will hit its bottom, it'll bounce, and we'll be back recovered, stronger than ever. Still, the local high for the past, what, 22 months, virtually for the past two years, is I think what we hit 49,000. We got so close to 50 Gs, but unfortunately, I think it was an orchestrated sell-off. Uh, you already know they love suppressing the Bitcoin price action to the best of their abilities, and it seems like they accomplished that here with this massive sell-off. Do you think this was all engineered and orchestrated or just all a big coincidence after we get the ETF approvals? Be honest. Let me know, fam. Appreciate all the thoughts and insights. Keep the comments a coming. Wish Max Kaiser happy birthday. It's his birthday today, the one and only high priest. Show him some love. And uh, yeah, let's move on to our next story of the day, family. We gotta be fast-paced today because I can't do a two-hour stream like I normally would. But anyways, let's discuss uh, Trump and his anti-CBDC stance. The headline reads, Trump will never allow the CBDC. Gives full credit to Vivek Ramsawani, who recently uh, basically endorsed Trump. Former president of the U.S. and current presidential candidate Trump. How many of you think Trump will win the 2024 presidential election, holla, and has once again mentioned the topic of central bank digital currencies, given full credit to Vivek Ramsawani, the former presidential candidate for the Republican Party who dropped out of the race after a disappointing and it didn't even finish the sentence, so you finish it. During the rally in New Hampshire, January 22nd, Trump told the audience that Ramsawani, the only presidential candidate with a crypto framework in his program, uh, is that correct? I think RFK Jr. has some form of framework, correct me if I'm wrong, asked him to raise once again the question of tackling the potential CBDC in the United States. After the brief confession that he didn't like Ramsawani until he defeated him, <laughs> Trump re repeated his recent claim that he would never allow the CBDC. Now, the first time Trump mentioned the CBDC was during a campaign speech in New Hampshire, January 17th. At the time, Trump said, I will never allow the creation of a central bank digital currency. Well, guess what? It's already created. So how are you going to stop it? There you go. Adding that such a currency would give the federal government absolute control over citizens' money. Correct. It's already created. It's just a matter of launching it. And in fact, it's launched in many different nations, including China, and they already have pilots launched in the United States. So I don't know what he's actually talking about, if he's just clueless, incompetent, or doesn't know anything. <laughs> you tell me. And while Trump was not previously known for any nuanced stance on crypto, besides some negative comments about Bitcoin during his presidency, Vivek, and Florida Governor DeSantis took up the subject in their presidential campaigns. This is fact. I've heard DeSantis talk about he's anti-CBDC. I've heard RFK Jr. And now Trump's kind of joining the bandwagon and Vivek, of course. So 
kind of ironic. What do you think, family? Let me know. Now, uh, both ex-candidates have now suspended their campaigns. Ram Sawani dropped out January 16th, endorsing Trump. And ironic enough, DeSantis did the same thing and ended his run January 21st after losing by a massive 21 points to Trump during the Iowa uh, caucuses. Now, what's interesting, did you see that uh, clip that went viral? Someone handed DeSantis a participation trophy. <laughs> Funniest thing ever. Uh, DeSantis also confirmed his endorsement of Trump, who had repeatedly mocked the politician in the recent months. I mean, is there a politician Trump hasn't mocked? On January 19th, U.S. Representative Tom Emmer expressed his support for Trump's promise to fight CBDCs, claiming that he looks forward to working with Trump against the expanding government surveillance state. Emmer has spoken in favor of digital assets on many occasions and has a history of pushing back against the regulation by enforcement approach from the U.S. SEC and its chair, no hair, gear. <laughs> so there you have it, family. What are your thoughts on that? Do you think, you know what I mean? Do you think presidents even have the power to say, we're not going to do the CBDC? Honestly, let me know. Because from my understanding, there's so many levels above the president. The president's the spokesperson for the country. It doesn't really make up any of the rules. So if the president, oh, I don't want this. Well, obviously you don't understand how the president works. You know what I mean? I mean, you already know. Orange men will be orange-pilled. <laughs> but anyways, family, next story of the day, hey? Uh, let's discuss these Bitcoin ETFs and the latest data, what's going on in the ETF market. Bitcoin ETFs post 76 million in net outflows on a bad seventh day of trading. Spot Bitcoin ETFs have sent or seen 76 million in net outflows in their seven-day trading, according to data from Bloomberg ETF analyst James Safart, as he shares uh, right here. And continuing on, uh, quoting him, 640 million flow out today. Outflows aren't slowing. They're picking up. This is the largest outflow yet for GBTC. Total out so far, 3.45 billion. Good Lord. And speaking of Cointelegraph, Safart said that overall, the flows into the spot ETFs remain positive, with BlackRock enjoying its third largest day of positive flows thus far netting a total of 272 million in inflows on the daily. Quoting him here, on a net basis, we have seen over 1.1 billion flow into the spot Bitcoin ETFs, even after accounting for the GBTC outflows. And Safart also admitted that the outflows from GBTC appeared to be unceasing at this time, and he expects GBTC-led dumping to cool off uh, in the coming fortnight. So hopefully that means by tonight. And much, uh, funny you mentioned fortnight, much of the outflows from Grayscale's recently converted GBTC have been tied to outsized selling from the FTX estate, which is actually our next story of the day we're going to dive deeper into. But anyways, according to the January 22nd report, citing sources familiar with the matter. The FTX estate offloaded roughly two-thirds of its 22.8 million GBTC shares by January 22nd. See, this hit me by surprise. I didn't realize that FTX owned that many shares of GBTC. What about you guys? Now, the sale of the shares is estimated to account for roughly 600 million of the total net 3.4 billion in GBTC related outflows, quoting uh, CJK. Since GBTC conversion of Bitcoin ETF, investors have sold more than 2 billion. FTX bankruptcy liquidation has led to over a billion in selling BTC. GBTC discount to NAV arbitrage trade led to over a billion. Selling the lock-in profits, all very interesting. The price of Bitcoin has fallen significantly, you can say that again, since the 10-spot e-tests were approved on January 10th, plunging from a high of over 49,000 to a low of 39 
ish, which is right where we're at. Are we in the 38 range yet, fam? Let me know. Bitcoin is currently holding steady just above that 39-ish level. Now, notably, Bitcoin's downtrend price comes amid a sudden and sharp decline in the open interest on the Bitcoin futures exchange, suggesting a decline in enthusiasm amongst institutional investors to gain leverage exposed. Bitcoin. Now, according to data from CoinGlass, as you can see here on your screen, open interest on the CME fell from a near record high of 6.4 billion on January 12th to 4.4 billion at the time of this publication. So there you have it, my crypto fam. Anyways, still got a lot to cover. Let's dive into our next story of the day and discuss this FTX dump, which has caused this carnage in the markets. So here you go. Headline reads, FTX estate sold most of its grayscale Bitcoin trust shares. Here's the latest report. The estate for failed crypto exchange FTX and hedge fund Alameda Research has sold more than two thirds of its grayscale Bitcoin trust shares, according to a January 22nd report from Bloomberg. The report cited two people familiar with this matter as its source. The FTX estate may have raised at least 600 million as a result of the sale, quoting Rich Quack. <laughs> what a cool username. FTX shocks the market with 1 billion Grayscale ETF sell-off, and Alameda drops the bombshell lawsuit against Grayscale. How interesting. FTX's bankruptcy estate offloaded approximately 1 billion of Grayscale's Bitcoin ETF, shedding light on the recent GBTC outflows. Wow. And this is actually a pretty in-depth analysis. I'll continue. Since the conversion of GBTC into an ETF, investors have withdrawn over 2 billion with FTX estate contributing significantly by selling 22 million shares. The approval of the new spot Bitcoin ETF saw funds like BlackRock and Fidelity gaining inflows while GBTC experienced large pullouts. Not such a manly thing to do, pulling out. You know what I mean? Bitcoin's price has dipped post-ETF approval, contradicting optimistic predictions. The completion of the FTX sell-off could potentially reduce selling pressure. FTX capitalized on GBTC price disparities before, with holdings valued at $900 million on Grayscale's ETS first NYSE trading day. And uh, the last fact here, FTX's crypto assets managed by entities like Marex are under sale processes, while Alameda has dropped a lawsuit against Grayscale over fees. Man, this Alameda and FTX saga seems like it's never ending. So you already know the report claims the FTX estate held 22 million shares now worth 900 million of the Grayscale Bitcoin trust before January 11th. And when the trust was converted into the spot ETF, they sold more than two thirds of its shares over the following three days of trading. The report stated, implying it now holds less than 8 million shares worth roughly 281 million. Alameda sued Grayscale in March for charging what it considered to be exorbitant fees. As per the lawsuit, Alameda claimed Grayscale was enacting a self-imposed redemption ban that prevented shareholders from acquiring the Bitcoin held by its trust. Interesting. So they're saying they couldn't get the Bitcoin. They couldn't acquire it from the trust. They were preventing them to do so. And you guys don't think your Bitcoin ETF can be confiscated. Interesting. Most investors had no means of redeeming their shares for the trust's underlying Bitcoin prior to January 11th. And the trust share price was 44% below that of the Bitcoin, which it represented as of June 15th. However, redemptions for authorized participants were opened on January 11th after the US SEC approved Grayscale Trust to be converted into the ETF. And as the expected date of approval drew closer, the GBTC shares discount versus net asset value fell to 1.55%. According to data from Y Charts, this made the price of the shares more closely aligned with the value of Bitcoin they represented. GBTC is now only 0.27% below its net asset value 
per share. So more than 700 million of Bitcoin has been sold by the Grayscale Bitcoin Trust since January 11th family in the past 12 days, with some analysts claiming investors are fleeing the fund because of what they see is high fees. In fact, the fees are one and a half percent, and they are by far larger than some of the lowest fees for the ETFs from uh, some of the asset managers as low as I think I saw one point, I'm sorry, 0.18%, which is less than 0.2%. So they're like seven, eight X higher than some of the competition, which is kind of insane. So there you have it, uh, crypto fam. Let me know your thoughts on this. Do you think the carnage is likely to continue? Do you think the FTX and Alameda carnage is over? Let me know your thoughts. Anyways, family, next story of the day. You guys are hilarious. Uh, we're going to be discussing these bull market uh, narratives that you haven't heard yet. Three specifically. Let's discuss these. Um, where shall we start here? Number one, 2024 will be the year of the battling amongst chain development kits, CDKs, super chains, layer threes, and app chains. It appears Polygon, Optimism, Arbitrum, and others have learned from Ethereum. This year will be a pivotal period where major layer twos evolve beyond their current roles, establishing interconnected ecosystems of their own interoperability. Bring it. The clear. Do you like those whispers here and there? No. Keep it real. Let me know. A, a clear example of this was last year's launch of uh, Flipkart, an online store based in India. Instead of launching a project on the Polygon network, they launched their own blockchain using Polygon's CDK. So that's something to be on the lookout for. Similar to Flipkart, Immutable X and Libra are also following this playbook and launched their very own chains on Polygon CDK, focused on games and RWAs, respectively. This is a very strategic uh, for the entire ecosystem. These companies launching their chains create a platform for the other companies to build upon, and they capitalize from that. These other companies entering Web3 now have a selection of blockchains with specific characteristics to meet their needs, and Polygon evolves from just a general list blockchain to an ecosystem of various blockchains with specific jobs to be done and connected with the liquidity. Now, curious, how many of you are actually uh, bullish on Polygon slash Matic, I know it as a layer two scaling solution uh, for the Ethereum blockchain to reduce those fees because still the gas fees are pretty outrageous. I wonder if they're going to have a solution to that anytime soon. Let me know your thoughts. Now, next factor, Bitcoin is undergoing an etherization with ordinals. Interesting headline. In 2023, the Ordinals Protocol popularized the use of the Bitcoin network for creating NFT collections and issuing fungible tokens, which we know as NFTs. Although Bitcoin NFTs are fun and are generating a lot of volume in the current market, the main value that the Ordinals Protocol brought to Bitcoin was to open Pandora's box. Discussions about other ways to use Bitcoin beyond being a store of value started to gain traction widely for the first time in history. And in this context, there's solutions like BVM, which already allow the creation of Bitcoin layer twos using networks such as Polygon and Celestia for data availability and uh, Polygon and Optimism for execution functions. How many of you have ever used Celestia, Polygon or Optimism or bullish on them? Let me know. Approximately 200 test nets were already created from the BVM infrastructure. And it's worth mentioning that other Bitcoin layer twos like Stacks, shout out to Stacks, JV bullish on Stacks, are also gaining a lot of traction since last year. Besides that, there's also proposals for an upcoming Bitcoin update aiming to bring more programmability to the network, such as OPCAT proposal. 
You down with OPP? Yeah, you know me. Anyways, therefore, it's evident that in the short term, there are significant developments aimed at introducing layer twos and smart contracts to Bitcoin, and that discussions are already underway to extend this for the long term. Now, let's discuss digital identities. We'll take off. The topic of digital identities is a topic that interests both governments and the crypto underground. <laughs> Central bank digital currencies are one of the primary catalysts not a fan, family. Not a fan. In Brazil, for example, the central bank has been actively conducting tests with the country's largest banks and major companies, including Visa, Microsoft, MasterCard, and AWS. Meanwhile, Trump doesn't even think uh, CBDCs are created. He says, I'm not going to allow them to create them. Guess what? They already have them. <laughs> While the initial applications are financial, the president of the Brazilian central bank, Roberto Campos, suggests DREX, Brazil's CBDC, could eventually serve as the foundation for the creation of digital identities. No, thank you. I prefer not to have the mark of the beast. What about you guys? Another 130 countries are also working on a CBDC initiative. 130 more countries, meaning every country will eventually have their own CBDC. Mark my words. Maybe not uh, El Salvador. <laughs> I hope not. Outside the institutional sector, the second trend that could further encourage the adoption of digital identities airdrops. Generally, a project initiates an airdrop to decentralize its governance, rewarding users who are most engaged with its product or protocol. However, this has led to a problematic cycle. Yes, projects continually tease users with hints of imminent drops and point systems, prompting some users to create multiple wallets to farm the protocol, and other users driven by an anxiety pressure founders with constant inquiries about forthcoming airdrops. Also, a lot of the people who launch the airdrops are very misleading and things never go according to plan. I try to participate in some over the years and nothing has ever gone according to plan and I feel like you just get scammed. So be careful out there. I'm not calling all airdrop scams, but oftentimes they use airdrops to scam you. So be careful. So to address this, the issue to create a substantial method, future major airdrops may incorporate a validation layer based on digital identities. Although Linea has not confirmed any airdrops, it recently offered a series of quests within the ecosystem. For ongoing participation, users needed to link their wallets. That's where I'm like, oh no, I'm not linking my wallet to anything because anything I link it to can be sus and somehow magically uh, liquidate <laughs> your wallet. So be careful out there. For me, it's like, yo, I'm not connecting my wallet to anything. That's why I lost it in a boat in an accident. It is what it is. What are you going to do about it? Our $1 million price prediction, the latest from Max Kaiser. Also, I have a bonus prediction coming from a crypto analytics platform by the name of Glassnode. I like to follow their stuff. They're pretty good. And I'm going to be sharing the latest from Max. And real quick, show Max some love in the comments. Uh, happy birthday, I wrote to the high priest of Bitcoin, the one and only. Uh, he retweeted it. Greatly appreciate this man. Helped transform my life. And I got a lot of respect for the high priest. But before I get into the latest predictions from Max with Bitcoin hitting a million dollars and all that stuff, first, I want to read you this analysis from Glassnode. And shout out to this, uh, is that a beaver? A hamster? Is that the, uh, hmm, what kind of animal is that? Or is that the um, honey badger? I'm curious. Let me know. Kind of cute with that Bitcoin. Anyways, <laughs> Glassnode thinks Bitcoin could be primed for a parabolic rise if Bitcoin repeats a particular pattern. Uh, Jan Hapel and Jan Alman, the Glassnode founders, share the... Uh, 
basically that draws attention to the quote, history doesn't repeat itself, but it often rhymes. You hear that often on the show as well, which is often attributed to Mark Twain. Oh, wow. I didn't know Mark Twain was the originator. Anyways, according to them, Bitcoin looks poised to replicate a pattern witnessed during the last two bull markets. As Bitcoin creates the bull flag of the weekly chart, quoting them here, Bitcoin has moved to the 6618 Fibonacci extension after the bull flag correction. We're currently in a small correction like in late 2017 and late 2020. Will history rhyme in 2024 and Bitcoin move to the 6.1618 Fibonacci in this bull market? That would give us a target of roughly 120,000 per coin. Look at that parabolic ascent. It's like Michael Jordan in his prime jumping from that, uh, what is it? The, th uh, the free throw line, dunking it. Let's go. Anyways, that's pretty lit. Now, traders use Fibonacci extensions and technical analysis, aka astrology for men, estimate profit targets and price pullbacks, and they're based on Fibonacci ratios. With Bitcoin trading now uh, around 39,000, Bitcoin's market cap also down. Of course, everything is down right now. The Glassnode co-founders appear bullish on equities. They also share trend following is a strong investment strategy. Ask yourself, why am I bearish equities and current technical setup? The NASDAQ just surpassed the former all-time highs. It is above the three-month simple moving average and the 12-month simple moving average. The three-month is above the 12-month. The relative strength index, the RSI, is at 66. The MACD, which is the moving average convergence divergence, is bullish and rising. Someone needs to throw that in a rhyme, some bars. Moving with the average convergence divergence. Anyways, from a trend-following perspective, why would I expect a crash here? And I think they're right. I don't, I'm not anticipating a larger crash. The RSI measures the price momentum of an asset on a scale of 0 to 100, a level of 30, and below indicates oversold conditions, while the reading is 70, and above suggests overbought conditions. Meanwhile, the MACD is traditionally used to spot trend reversals and confirm the trends. Now let's get into the latest from Kaiser. Stacy Herbert wrote, happy birthday, my love. And then again, I just shared happy birthday to the high priest of Bitcoin, the one and only Max Kaiser. And Max actually responded showing Stacy some love. I've made only one truly great decision in my life. February 13th, two days after my birthday. That's me. Uh, 2003, less than 10 seconds after seeing her smile, I decided to absolutely just marry Stacey Herbert. Now, definitely my favorite power couple. True love is very rare in this world. So much respect to Max and Stacey, my favorite Bitcoin couple. Now, he also wrote one year ago today, January 23rd on my birthday, I discussed with Bukele these five topics, all of which he resoundingly rejected. <laughs> Number one, shorten the El Salvador national anthem from four minutes to two minutes. <laughs> two, ban restaurants from wrapping utensils and paper napkins so tightly you destroy the napkin when you unwrap the knife and fork. How many can relate to that one? Number three, mandate all Pupusas must be fried in beef tallow. I don't know nothing about that life as a vegetarian, but anyways. Number four, install a 300 feet welcome to El Salvador built board with a picture of Max and Stacy at the airport. I'm all for that one. That'd be pretty lit. And number five, outlaw driving more than 50 miles per hour under the speed limit and mandate all Salvadorans must demonstrate they know how to drive through roundabouts. So obviously Max has some pet peeves, but just having some fun here. This was actually his pitcher celebration with Bukele last year. They had a cake. Happy birthday, Max. I'm curious if he's kicking it with Bukele today to celebrate his special day. And uh, show Max some love, please, in the comments. If you follow me on X, 
retweet my post showing him some birthday love. Let's spread the word because he has done so much for Bitcoin, being the first one to actually introduce Bitcoin to a global audience via the Kaiser Report with Stacey Herbert back in 2011 when Bitcoin was somewhere between a dollar and $10, which is unheard of. Now, Kaiser also wrote, capitulation is here. The fiat money world has thrown in the towel. Now, the few with resources are building Bitcoin positions as fast as possible under $1 million. BTC. That's right. And this headline, why Bitcoin is up by almost 150% this year, introducing the cockroach theory of crypto because you can't kill it. And that that don't kill us only makes us stronger. You know what I mean? Quoting Max here, Bitcoin is designed to be attacked. When the EU says we need to attack the price of Bitcoin, that's music to Bitcoiner ears because all attacks mean a greater hash rate, greater security, and higher prices. It's designed to be attacked. The more you attack it, the higher the price goes. So we welcome the EU attacks and the IMF, Christine Lagarde, and central banks and Federal Reserve Bank. Please attack me so that my price can go to 100,000, 200,000, $1 million per coin. Thank you. Send it. So yes, please attack Bitcoin and make it stronger. I'm with you on that. He also shared, this is a throwback. I shared it on October 30th, quoting him, all fiat money and gold eventually goes to effectively zero against Bitcoin because it's demonetizing gold. The same way gold demonetized silver, Bitcoin will be demonetizing gold. So sure, gold will maybe go to two, three, four thousand an ounce, but we're talking about Bitcoin eventually going to five million to $10 million per coin. So your purchasing power in gold terms is almost based basically nothing compared to what's happening in Bitcoin. It's all going to zero against the apex predator. You already know family. Now, in a interview with Swan, Max revealed just 1% of these total addressable market will cause the price of Bitcoin to skyrocket. So let's discuss this. With Bitcoin, it's kind of the end of price discovery because everything will be priced in Bitcoin eventually. Everything goes to zero against Bitcoin. And so for someone like myself who has been following this for 40 years, the finance markets, technology, Bitcoin is the holy grail. It is the end all. I would say my compatriot in all of this Michael Saylor. When you hear Michael Saylor talk, he talks about the aesthetics of Bitcoin, the beauty of Bitcoin, and he speaks about it in a way I think carries the torch uh, from the Max and Stacey Herbert of 2011. And he started buying it, I guess, somewhere between 10 and 12,000 or so in the 2020 era. We were there from 2011 to 2020. I think he's kind of carried the torch from 2020 in a lot of ways, introducing Bitcoin to massive pools of capital. I am surprised that more companies haven't followed his lead, giving the upbreak in inflation we have had exactly as he predicted it. The melting ice cube, as he called it at that time, is exactly what happened. Well, I guess we can say now we're now in the era where BlackRock and these other major institutions are now looking at Bitcoin. So his work on the institutional level, I guess, is bearing fruit now three years later. Facts. Now, I see in the Middle East, they're starting to recognize Bitcoin. Preach. I've been covering that all week, family. So that's a huge pool of capital. I think all that oil money will find its way into Bitcoin and be a huge catalyst for higher prices. Tell them it's a natural way for the oil industry to diversify their portfolio because Bitcoin is essentially energy and the energy eventually gets priced in Bitcoin. And there is a marriage between these two in a big way. Precisely what I just covered in yesterday's episode. They're tokenizing oil and partnering. You have the largest banks of the world partnering with the biggest oil companies to get into digital assets. So just as he predicted several months ago, I think that's kind of the answer, he says. I have also 
Always fascinated by the price discovery and markets and the architecture of how the markets work under the hood. Bitcoin is such a pristine, perfect money, and I think it's something that humans have been searching for since forever, Laura. And now we're seeing it change society on really a fundamental level with the introduction of BTC. A lot of people are freaking out because of it. It destroys the status quo, and a lot of people have been waiting for it to come along, had the faith that humanity can be saved. They see Bitcoin in those terms, so you have this split going on, which is very exciting. So it just continues on and on, and how can it not be, how can not someone be interested in it? I think the people who were into it earlier and walked away just never got it from the beginning. Once it's categorized as an asset class, we have nothing to do except accept our position and position ourselves in the asset class. Either we're going to be a small position or a big position, but we cannot ignore it. We cannot not have a position. So even 1% of that multi-hundred trillion dollar funds available moves the needle on Bitcoin, moving it up considerably. So if we get into the 5 to 10% range, then you start to really see it raise ahead to the seven-figure type predictions that people have been making, including myself, because Bitcoin is an asset class. On the flip side, we have what we saw in the gold market, which is the ability to control price discovery. Manipulating the prices is real through derivative markets. So the price of gold has been lagging inflation for 20 years because the governments around the world don't like gold making their fiat money look bad. Tell them. So they make it easy for huge funds to manipulate the price of gold and to scalp and to continuously skim profits off of gold, which is what they do almost every day. You can watch it and see it pretty clearly. And they are very good at keeping the price of gold and silver down. There's something like for every ounce of silver, there's probably 50 ounces worth of derivatives floating in various exchanges around the world that are used to keep the price of silver down because governments don't want gold to race ahead to draw capital out of their fiat money scam and into gold. That's right. You think they're going to let gold hit $100,000 an ounce? Then everyone would trade their dollars for gold and the dollar would effectively collapse and go to zero. They got to protect their dollar, make sure they have a strong US dollar. And you do that by suppressing the precious metal markets. Hence, exactly what they do. He called it. With Bitcoin, we have the ability to pull our private keys, which is not really available with gold. Take that, Peter Schiff. Technically, people can take delivery of gold on these exchanges, but there's never been an organized attempt to do so. We tried to do it a few years ago, a crash JP Morgan buy gold and silver because after the 2008 financial crisis, when JP Morgan ended up buying Bear Stearns effectively for nada, they inherited this huge multi-million short position that Bear Stearns was managing at the behest of presumably the government. The government likes to stay involved. They sure do. And so I did some calculations and it became clear that if this short position was not covered and the price of silver got to $60, $70 an ounce, it would bankrupt JP Morgan. So we started this crash JP Morgan buy silver campaign and we got the price of silver from $15 up to 50. So we got it up to the old Hunt Brothers $50 level. Then the Fed of course came in and they changed the laws overnight to make it possible for these banks, JP Morgan, to have and carry much greater short positions in silver. So they printed up a lot of paper silver derivatives and they stopped the run on their bank and the price went back down to 15 bucks or so. So we have seen that it is possible uh, to force capitulation in the silver market. But at the end of the day, because the ability to pull private keys is not like it is with Bitcoin, I don't think it'll ever succeed. Whereas with Bitcoin, you can pull your private keys. So there you have it, my crypto fam. And don't forget to check out CryptoNewsAlerts.net for the full premium experience with video and to participate in our live Q&A. And I look forward to seeing you on tomorrow's episode. HODL.